Hello, everyone. This is Student Architect Podcast. I am Omar Garcia. And it's just me today. For those of you who saw the Instagram post, yes, today I will be talking about how, in some ways, Formula One and modular homes or shipping container houses, if you're familiar with those, are related. And I start off my sort of comparison by bringing to you um, the location that I'm at currently. I am at Raceway Woods in Carpentersville. Raceway Woods is a very historic racing environment. It was a very big, I don't know how big it really was, but it's a pretty big racing platform, racing raceway (laughs) in the 50s. And I mean, today it's anything but that, but it's got a really rich culture in racing. And so I figured since I can't afford or possibly go to a Formula One event until they come to Austin, which is not for another few weeks. Uh, But I could bring you something a little closer to home. Uh, Carpentersville is another suburb outside of Chicago on the west side, a little bit north of where I grew up in St. Charles. And now it's no longer a raceway. It's now a place where I like to go mountain biking, actually. Um, But to start sort of this connection, um, raceway being this rich space for racing back in the days um you would think that you know what 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 do cars or anything have to do with architecture right what does the environment what does the culture of racing have to do with architecture well it's not so much the actual racing itself but how it how racing is the behind the scenes of racing in order for racing to actually occur so i'm talking about things such as logistics and for the big events how drivers how equipment how a lot of different things come together in order for these races to occur Um, specifically I want to look at the Formula One motorhomes that you see on the paddock that's the space uh, where you see a lot of the drivers have their meals they tend to stay there over the night or um, a lot of the equipment, a lot of the garages, it's that space usually in the center of like an oval track, for example, um, that's being used by all those trucks and all those different structures that you see. And because they travel literally around the world, they have to have very quick, very efficient ways of transporting everything that they need. These motorhomes that they use, they use them to house the drivers, house the officials, house um, obviously the equipment, the cars. And in order for that to happen, they need to move that stuff in and out quickly. They're going from places from France to Belgium to Australia to the U.S., Brazil, international. I mean, it's an international platform. And so you need to get it in and out really quickly. And so I was really intrigued by how modular these motorhomes are for the racing teams whether it's red bull ferrari mercedes 
they all have motorhomes, and even uh, the officials have motorhomes that are very quickly built up and put um, built down, dismantled, <laughs> dismantled really quickly. Um, you're talking about sometimes having a week to transfer them from one country to the other, literally. Um, and so they need to look at very specific things. If we're talking, we're going to be talking about material. We're going to be talking about um, the structure of it. You know, the the steel that gets put together. You know, the the geometry of it. Um, and obviously, what goes in that. You know, the the hospitality side of it. The more importantly, the what the drivers and the team need to succeed. And eventually, I will be looking at that and translating it to the commercial aspects modular homes shipping containers they all have similar traits that these f1 motorhomes do and so if you'll have me um, i will dive deep into the motorhomes for formula one as much as i can for my research and then i will go into that connection to shipping containers and modular homes and we'll see how that goes now we move to it To start off with the F1 motorhomes, let's look at specifically Mercedes. I was able to find an hour per hour as to how these motorhomes are actually constructed. Mercedes has, of course, a beautiful glass facade, nice silver touch that they have. Um, and so, how does that all come together? Well, let's look at the notes I have here. They start off with the construction laying down a steel grid. This steel grid is actually held up with some wood underneath it in order to allow for a certain amount of um, clearance between the ground and the actual platform because they want to have steps. Um, that also allows for a lot of the cables stuff. They're putting down high voltage cables on it, through and underneath this grid. And the thing about this grid, this steel grid that they have, is that it has to be absolutely perfect. Um, they have to laser measure everything because if there's anything going wrong with this grid, everything else that they put together is not going to work. The rest of the modules are not going to fit in properly and this is going to cause some serious issues in terms of their timing because they're doing this all within about 32 to 48 hours. Um, they're working day and night on these things. So it sort of acts as the foundation. In order for these modules to actually come together, they have to use a very large crane. These things are pretty heavy. Um, so the, one of the first things that they do with these cranes, one of the first modules that gets put together is usually the kitchen. Um, there's a lot of plumbing, there's a lot of um, appliances that go inside that space, so that's one of the first spaces that they put in. Um, and that's obviously it's important for the chefs to actually be able to start cooking because they're going to be supplying the energy for the people working in this place and more importantly, or just as importantly, the team and the drivers they're going to be racing their cars and hoping to win. Um, from there, they lay them piece by piece. They continue to put down specific module shapes. The first floor is put in by nine hours into the actual process. Um, and that, in that first floor, like I said, they usually have the kitchen um, and a lot of the sanitary facilities. Um, 
Usually on the second floor, you start to have a lot of the team offices and the driver rooms. One of the first, for in Mercedes' case, one of the first uh, second floor modules that goes in is the actual team chief, uh, Toto Wolf, for those who are familiar. His office gets put in, and of course, it's important for him to have an import, uh, his space ready to go because he is the leader of the team after all. Um, 14 hours into the laying down of the modules from this crane, the basic structure is actually completed. Um, there's a lot of interior work that has to be done, a lot of, you know, starting to get the place to look fancy. They're going to add stuff on the terrace. They have grass in some of these. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of fancy work, furniture, um, you know, just hospitality items that make the place feel roomy and feel like a home away from home. And then 16 hours in, uh, specifically for Mercedes, they start to have gutters and um, balustrades are installed on the roof so that they can enjoy that rooftop when it's sunny out. Hopefully it's not raining on race day, but if they do, I'm sure there's umbrellas. Some, they got some good money out there. And then, of course, furniture and other specific things are being laid out as the night goes on. But usually they get these things done within 32 to 48 hours or, or sometimes less, depending on how quickly they need to go in and out. So it's very important for them to actually be on schedule. And if anything goes wrong, it can totally delay the, the team's strategy when it comes to race day. Now, another team that I want to look at specifically is Red Bull. This year, 2019, they actually came out with a whole new uh, motorhome. It's the largest motorhome. Um, giving you some facts here. For them, it takes 32 hours to assemble as if everything goes okay. 25 crew members are used in the actual construction and dismantling of this thing. Um, and if I didn't make it clear, dismantling this is obviously a lot faster than putting it together, which is surprising. I would think that organizing and bundling things up takes a lot longer than undoing things. That seems to be the case. They use two cranes and two forklifts. And what's kind of boggling about this place is that some of it, so for, for some people, this, this motorhome, this modular space that they quickly dismantle and then put together week by week is larger than most homes. It has 2,800 square meters of floor space. Uh, for those who uh, do feet, such as myself, uh, that's a lot of feet. And a lot of it is actually made uh, through wood, wood construction. They use timber from Austria. Uh, that's the sort of the, that's the native country for Red Bull. Uh, and so it's very green. It's very sustainable in that sense. Uh, and obviously it, it gives a really nice quality to the space, especially the exterior, um, but also the interior. Wood is very good for, you know, feeling warm, feeling earthy tone, um, connecting, it connects us to nature. And it's a beautiful wood that comes from Austria. Specifically, we're going to look at one uh, special case where the Red Bull um, energy station uh, has a special type of construction. When it comes to the Monaco race, um, they have to, because Monaco, uh, it, the track is right in the center of, or not in the center, but it's right in the town of Monaco. They don't have a lot of space to work with, but they do have water. They do have the ocean front, the lakefront. 
Is it an ocean? <laughs> the ocean front to work with. And so when it comes to that specific race, this is what they have to do. They have 21 days in order to construct it, which is a lot more than what they usually get. 70 crew members. But see, the thing is, this isn't being built on land. This is being built on a ship, on a container floor ship. I'm not sure what the actual term is for that. Um, so this is being literally held up in water. An entire home is being constructed on water. Um, 2,800 square meters of floor space, as I mentioned. 16 kilometers of cables. That's a good amount of miles right there. And overall, this space weighs, this entire structure weighs about 800 tons. 800 tons sitting on water. And people are just comfortable with just being on that. I'm not sure if they know that fact, but I wouldn't be too comfortable sitting on that. And because it's so hefty and it takes a lot to put together, specifically for that ship, they ship it in two different sections. So it's not just one entire piece. They have to use two separate ships in order to bring this piece together. Um, now let's look at the interior of this space. Uh, the ground floor is about 436 meters squared. The first floor is about 410 meters squared. And the rooftop is 375 meters squared. That is a lot of space to fill in, and what's being filled in these spaces includes 26 Red Bull coolers, 59 TV screens, 32 kilometers of cables inside, and it serves, it will serve through its lifetime, I think it's the day of the race, it will serve about 100 kilos of pasta, 120 kilos of fish, and 180 kilos of meat. And that's the case for every race. So that's a lot of food that they're bringing in. That's just an entire other aspect for this. So it, once again, it's very important for them to have this thing put together. If you don't have it put together, you're not going to you're not going to have a good race. So now that I've given you pretty much the background, the basics and the facts that go into these Formula 1 motorhomes, I sort of want to elaborate and expand on more of the abstract qualities. You know, how does this space make a person feel? What are, what, why? How does it change um, the idea of the space when it is so modular? And this is where I actually want to start engaging others in thoughts, right? We all have different perspectives on how we're going to approach this idea of module of modules when it comes to uh, this, in this case, a workspace, a home space, um, but obviously transitioning to what we will be talking about into actual houses, prefab, modular homes, or even shipping containers are becoming uh, very popular. So feel free to, to, to sort of explore how you feel um, and through your experiences, for those who have lived in modular homes or shipping container houses, um, how you feel about this. Um, and hopefully we'll expand on it, expand on this uh, conversation um, outside of this podcast. And I hope, I hope to do that with a bunch of other podcasts. But that's for other podcasts, so let's go ahead and dive, dive into it.
architecture, historically, and most of us know this, you know, we usually build things to stay there for a while. It's not like we're, it's not like we've had the technology really um, to build something sturdy, thick in material to just have it be able to, you know, just say, okay, we're going to pick this up and move it across. Um, historically, you know, humans, we started off as nomads, you know, moving from place to place. And so we would have to travel light. And in the case of war, and I mean, that's still the case in certain things, we like to go camping. Um, but specifically when it comes to these modular homes, when you look at them, they're pretty convincing as to how sturdy they are, as to how stiff, and and it doesn't feel necessarily like you can take this apart or, you you know, like this was built in 32 hours. That's totally not the case. Um, if you if you look at some pictures or if you're watching on video uh, through YouTube, you you would have seen already that. Uh, although you can you can definitely assume that because of how similar the geometries are of some of these motorhomes that it is modular and you can see how things are put together. Um, but in the case of like Red Bull's energy station, it's looking pretty clean. The seams from pictures I can't see it in person and from video look pretty good it looks like a straight up office space home space um, for the team and so it's it's an interesting dynamic to bring in to architecture and it's becoming a lot more popular with technology as technology improves um, you can dive into 3d printing as a whole other thing that potentially allows for modules to become a lot more efficient um, but let's stick to the idea of the home in this case, the motorhome, uh, when it comes to Formula One. Um, the, 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 the ability to just switch out components, the ability to transport quickly, um, dismantle efficiently. I mean, it's not like we're going to be seeing this at a commercial um, use. We're not going to see this in neighborhoods. You're not going to have a neighborhood that's totally built, you know, within 32 hours using a crane that's just not economically feasible but uh, i think it's interesting how the fact that you can build something so sturdy so quickly is becoming a lot more common in in you know certain industries um, i'm not sure if formula one maybe has led in technology although you know a lot of technology does come out of formula one um but it, it maybe maybe they are sort of introducing new technologies for us to use in you know the, the commercial side of it the the standard house um, I mean think about it if technology can improve and you know obviously this is a, a larger leap but let's say that you know you have a standard I, I can't even say that there is a standard for houses but Let's say you have a, a two-bedroom, one-bath, a living room, and a kitchen, right? And let's say that that's completely modular, that we've gotten to a point where each one of those spaces can be just switched out. Usually, 
you know, and, and even today, that's not really the case where you can just say, all right, my bedroom, uh, it's worn, it's been worn down or I don't like this color anymore, <laughs> which is a terrible reason to just switch out a module. But um, just say that for some reason you just don't feel good about the bathroom or you don't feel good about the kitchen and you want to get an entire redo that you can just take out this module using a crane or using whatever technology you would end up using and then just plop in a whole new module. I think that changes the idea of what the, the typical home is for people, you know? It's no longer this thing that we put together by our own hands, you know, laying up the wood, laying up the drywall, the various layers, the insulation, the paint. Uh, it could totally change the way that the house feels. And I'm not, I mean, you can, you can argue whether that's good or not, um, maybe if it's going to lower the prices on some homes, it could be of you know a great benefit to people. Um, but I think we also somehow continue to separate ourselves from the the natural landscape, right? When a tree grows, it's not like it can just be just removed and remove itself and then just go somewhere else. Um, although we do have the technology to actually t dig out some some trees and moving places, which is, you know, all thanks to technology. But that's sort of what a house used to feel like, you know, uh, a space used to feel like. It was this endeavor where you would, you know, through the manpower, um, the teamwork of people, that you would pick a spot, claim your land, and start to dig in, start to feel the, the wind, <laughs> start to feel the, the ground come off and lay down the foundation and from there start to build what you wanted or what you bought you know buying the wood um watching it all go i mean it's crazy how much the suburbs of chicago uh, just continue to grow but you keep seeing construction you know and, and and if we get to a point where technology grows so quickly and it will it, it probably will um, and maybe modular homes do become the one of the more efficient the more economically efficient uh, methods of building houses that we no longer see these construction sites in how we see them today instead we're going to see you know just these random blocks just on cranes and you just pick them and you put them in and then you just hook up a couple of small things and boom you have a house it's an it's a it's a new dynamic um, but i think with that we need to actually dive into some of the technology in modular homes. And and um, I do want to relate shipping containers because it is a modular type of construction. Um, we need to learn a little bit about that. So let's stop the conversation here. And I will give you some facts on some of the new technologies that we see in modular homes and, and such. So now I'm going to talk to you about modular homes and shipping containers. We'll first, we'll start off with modular homes. Um, reading off of Wikipedia here, the best place to read off of to learn about all this information. Modular buildings and modular homes are prefabricated buildings or houses that consist of repeated sections called modules. Hence, the initial connection to the Formula One more homes. Modular is a construction method that involves constructing sections away from building sites then delivering them to the intended site. So usually what you're looking at is a lot of prefabricated materials. Um, 
this is all being done as as I read off offsite. Um, so it's going to be a really good advantage for time of construction. You're going to re radically reduce the amount of time it takes to actually build this thing up from beginning to end, um, having everything done beforehand. And a couple of other advantages that you're going to see um, are going to be indoor construction. So assembly is independent of weather, which can increase work efficiency and avoid damaged building material. Uh, ability to service remote locations, so particularly in countries in which potential markets may be located far from industrial centers, for example Australia. There can be much higher costs to build a site built house in a remote area or an area experiencing a construction boom such as a mining town. Modular buildings are also beneficial in providing medical and sanitary facilities where time, space, and money are an issue. Other things that are important to think about, the low waste, since everything is prefab, when it comes to constructing it, you're going to be using as minimal materials as you can, or as necessary, and so there's going to be a reduction in waste. Um, and it's an environmentally friendly construction process, um, since we are reducing waste and since the site is being disturbed a lot less, um, you're radically reducing your footprint on that area. Um, and then obviously flexibility, quality and improved air quality apparently. Uh, many of the indoor air quality issues identified in construction sites, a lot of dust um, building up from cutting things, um, that's going to be radically reduced because everything once again is being prefabricated in a lab. Um, so that's a lot of the advantages. Um, there are some unfortunate disadvantages to this. Um, it comes in market acceptance, so some lending institutions um, aren't really for this um, modular home um, construction, they don't tend to approve loans as, as often as they would for standard homes. They just don't see them as equal, even though, I mean, in terms of quality, in terms of construction, it's, it's basically the same thing. You're just being a lot more efficient about how you're doing it. So that's the unfortunate thing. Um, and now let's move into shipping containers. Uh, shipping container architecture is somewhat of a recent phenomenon. Um, it's a form of architecture using steel intermodal containers. So these are the containers that you see on a lot of trains and some uh, ships that do high, do a lot of uh, shipping. <laughs> um, the use of containers as a building material has been growing. Over the past couple of years it's really low cost. Typically when you cut into the metal you are gonna have to um, add some wood or some sort of uh, retaining devices to keep the structural um, uh, components strong to keep it sound but overall you can build a decently sized house or even just use one of them and it's not going to be anywhere near the cost of a typical home. Typical home in the U.S. somewhere around a hundred thousand to four hundred thousand, and with a shipping container, you can see these in the tens to twenties, depending on how nice you want these buildings to be, how nice you want your house to be. Right? I guess what both of these share in common is the fact that a lot of it is prefab. So when it comes to the shipping container, you're already using a container that's been um, used for something else, but you're re. You're recycling it for uh, a new life, using it as a home. 
And so after looking at those two ways of, those two new and popular ways of constructing a house, we're starting to see a radical expansion in how you can build a home these days. It's not necessarily that you have to bring all the material into one area, get a bunch of permits to totally take over a space and then wait you know, weeks to months to have your house built. There are new and different ways thanks to technology and thanks to innovation and the way that we think about recycling that is gonna is gonna create you know a, a new a new push for the way that houses are built. Economical factors, uh, material factors, environmental factors, they're all gonna continue to be a play in or in a factor in how we decide to build our homes in the future. And so, you know, looking at F1, the motor homes and, and uh, the modularity of these buildings, it's going to totally change the way that we think about the typical house if this trend continues. You're seeing a lot of people considering things such as modular homes or shipping containers, um, shipping container houses, and for good reason. I mean, looking at the future, the financially, it's just going to continue to be tougher and tougher to afford houses that are being built for to sustain a four a large family of a four or more um, you're not because of the um, the construction industry isn't necessarily building houses anymore that involve uh, or that are created to house a one child uh, family or a two child family they're expanding to larger uh, family sizes just because of the the cost uh, the the bottom line that they um, that they reduce their cost when building these homes and so that becoming a factor and in, in the way that the housing market continues to grow it's 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 a possibility that we're going to start to see um, you know, the increased popularity of shipping containers and modular homes prefabricated um, materials being um, cost efficient and such. And so the idea of the house, once again, could, could potentially be totally different for our children or our children's children. The process of like, you know, building up your own house, building up your own little um, wood cabin or paying for a construction company to build your house from bottom to top, that could be a thing that we see in the past. And, you know, I'm interested in what you guys think. Think about how housing could look in the future where you... Um, a person that agrees or disagrees with the use of recycled materials like shipping containers, are they beneficial for people? Are they beneficial for communities? Are they, is it something that we want to see in the future? Um, is, should we be discriminating? Should we be, should we be allowing for, you know, uh, lending companies to be discriminating such against things such as modular homes? Should we be pushing for them to give us loans to create these efficient houses? Or do you want to see the typical construction of a house uh, stay? Is that something that you feel comfortable with, I guess, right? We're, we're so familiar with this that what's, what's the use of trying out these new things, even though we, we do see advantages and disadvantages for both. So I, I just find it interesting that, you know, we start off with something totally different, something that you wouldn't think of when it comes to housing, you know, connecting this to Formula One motorhomes, um, uh, but seeing that, that that technology is growing. And so with that, what is going to, what is the house going to look like, you know, in the next decade, in the next, you know, two, three decades. 
And so with that, I conclude this, whether you call it a comparison, whether you call it a continuation of, of a concept, um, I want to hear what you guys um, think about it. And if you like you know, conversations like this where I pull out uh, this, this one architectural concept from a totally different part of the industry, part of the world, um, part of the culture, um, let me know. I think it was, it was a, definitely a very exciting episode. It was a great thing to tease, uh, you know, just putting up a picture of a, of a race car and then a typical house and then just having people sort of figure out what uh, could possibly connect those two things. Um, so I hope I hoped this is, that this intrigued you for those who, you know, listen this far. Uh, I thank you very much and, um, yeah, I mean, I hope to be doing this for a while. So um, I would appreciate it if you did subscribe, if you, um, you know, subscribe on Spotify or Anchor or anywhere, YouTube, Instagram. Um, you, can, you can find my website at omargarcia.info. And I'll continue to be working on this and bringing you guys content that hopefully you find interesting. And, and by all means, if you have ideas that you would like for me to talk about, um, I'm totally not opposed. I'm all about learning and I want this platform to, to keep that um, idea strong is that we're continuously learning together. Just because I am feeding you this information doesn't necessarily mean that I'm coming from a place of, you know, of, of completely understanding it, of being a master, of being a teacher. Um, I'm a student with you. And so with that, um, we continue this student architect journey together. So thank you, and I'll see you in the next episode.